down to the podcast city where the bands are bad and the songs are shitty. What? 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 Podcast. Welcome to You Hate to Hear It, where each week we pick apart a song, have a few laughs, maybe hopefully learn a little something about the music we're listening to. And then at the end, we're going to hand down our judgments, either mean and heavy like Old Testament God or... Maybe uh, change our minds and go back, be a little more gentle and turn the other cheek like uh, the New Testament. Who knows? (laughs) Either way. The Bible will be heavily involved. Speaking of you hate to hear it, (laughs) jeez. And, uh, you know, stick around till the end because we will also recommend songs that you should be listening to instead of these abysmal pieces of crap that we are tearing apart. So... This week we're gonna we're gonna tackle the band that was once called the most dangerous band in the world, Guns N' Roses, with their hit song "Paradise City." Whoa, cool! Most people really like that one, though. Yeah, I mean, it, it made it to a uh, number five in the the Billboard charts. So you know, there are a lot of people who will disagree with this assessment of mine. How do you guys feel? Just like let's let's test the waters right now. Like we feeling good about this song? A little lukewarm? Hate it? Got reactions. Mm. Andrew? I mean, I've never met a Guns N' Roses song that I like, so I'll just go ahead and put you know put it that way. So. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll be honest. Like, I am a fan of some of their more ballady songs. They're like a November Rain. I I, I do enjoy that song. Uh, Live and Let Die. I think it is an amazing cover of a uh, was it a Wings song? Uh, yeah, Paul McCartney song at least. Yeah. 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 Um, what? They do that song justice, man. I Paul yeah, Paul McCartney covered that one. And uh he he definitely shouted them out big time, right? Other way around. Right. Other way around. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. <laughs> yeah. But uh but that being said, this song I think is once again an abysmal piece of crap. Yeah. That is way overrated. And I, I just remember, you know, in high school, there was one of our like group of friends was just super into this song and this band. And uh whenever like we were, you know, out drinking, partying and listening to GNR, I was I felt like the odd man out, just like, God, guys, can't we like put on something else? Like you know, Metallica <laughs> exists. Put on the Rock Monanov concerto. <laughs> If you but, want to rock, yeah, you got to have the Rock Five. Yeah, the fifth, right. the fifth piano concerto by Rachmaninoff. Yeah, <laughs> duh. Oh, by the way, I, I am Ryan. Yeah, I am Andrew, and I'm Brian. Uh, Ryan just edited out that long pause before Andrew introduced himself while he was remembering his name. <laughs> <laughs> He's sundowning. He's got a lot of stuff on his mind. <laughs> God, me too. Hey, buddy. No, so, that's trouble, dude. Yeah, the baby's not even born yet, but you should you should be at your maximum levels of sleep at the moment. No, because I'm oh. pulling like, I'm you know I'm pulling a little extra weight. No pun intended, but like you know, my partner is very much thirty six weeks pregnant, so she can't do as many things as she normally can. So like, I am compensating by doing a lot of extra things. And just like busy in many other respects as well. So yeah, God, I, I want a virtue signal too, but I don't have anything to virtue signal about. Oh, I, I recycled. <laughs> I recycled yesterday. Nice, nice. Yeah, and I, I, I helped a woman recycle by recycling all the the cans that she'd been drinking. Nice, nice, nice. good work. That's very nice. No, good for you, Andrew. You're doing great. Absolutely. In all seriousness. We are super excited for you. Well, uh, the band that we're talking about today, they did over 100,000 miles, according to them, thumbing their way across America on their first tour. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. Ryan's like, that don't impress on me much. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I I, I went around this country in a Dodge Sprinter on, on a crash mat with a bunch of fire dancers, so... You know what? Well, I mean, they they kind of did that too when they when they were coming up. So Axel comes from Indiana, a small town, which he really hated, but he uh, also carried those small town values with him for a big portion of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he often quotes Paradise City as being that small town where you know everyone is uh, 
looking the same as uh, Axel and uh, mm-hmm. has those kind of values. Welcome to the place where everybody's white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Who else we got, though? We got Slash, the lead guitarist. Him and Izzy Stradlin, the the rhythm guitarist, those two kind of came up together playing in bands. L.A. Guns. So they, they founded the L.A. Guns, and then... And then Axel was in Hollywood Rose with... With Duffy. Or was it... No, it was with Steven Adler, the drummer, right? Oh, okay. Duffy, like many bass players for many bands, was sort of the afterthought that just got kind of slotted in to the group. Hey, you're <laughs> tall. Your arms can reach the bass when it's slung low. There's no needle sticking out of your arm currently. like <laughs> Yet. That actually ended up happening quite a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. This, this band is just... Not only did I pick this band because it's an example of a, a terrible song that I feel is overrated, but these guys, just as people, are such scumbags... And they really epitomized the whole like Sunset Strip, worst of the hair metal scene, but they were apart from hair metal because they prided themselves on being like just dirty, nasty boys that like didn't like primp or prime. They just, you know, stuck their snouts into barrels full of cocaine and, uh, you know, told women to like stay to their place and shit like that. They were, uh, they were really the worst of it all. Um, and that's why I, I, I chose them for this week. Amen. I think yeah. I think that you are right in your assessment of of the the members of the band. Uh, they definitely had 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 done even before their their big breakout album, which is Appetite for Destruction, which this song comes off of. A lot of people talk about how these top three songs including paradise uh sweet child of mine and of course welcome to the jungle are kind of like the three songs that really uh booted those crappy hair metal groups like motley crew off of the mainstream and had people kind of very now interested in more you know edgy guys who weren't afraid to like smoke cigarettes beat people up get drunk get a lot of uh get a long rap sheet <laughs> which we can kind of talk about uh axel rose and even slash kind of oh. it was kind of a problematic figure too we'll have to they were sort of this weird transition phase in between like so they were taking some of the punk sensibility but like not any of like the wokeness or like you know kind of political subversiveness they were just taking mm-hmm. like the fuck you and applying that to the hair metal scene rather than like you know, the shittier parts of society at large. And what they were really doing was just being a placeholder for the grunge scene, which was about to just wipe all of these assholes off the face of the planet, thank God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the only reason that I, like, the best thing that hair metal ever did for music was give us grunge, in my opinion, so. But really, like, I, I, I'm asking my, the question, like, as, because I actually, I don't think... I mean, Andrew, you've already kind of made your uh, opinion yeah. about them clear a little bit. Ryan, you picked this song, so obviously you fucking hate <laughs> GNR. I actually, uh, I have all their albums. I liked them, even though recognizing that like it is a lot of a lot of crap, and their frontman is an insane narcissist to the nth degree, mm-hmm. and his 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 need to control everything in the band. And and his need to control how people treated him while they were making music, producing, and on tour basically led to the collapse of the band. But, like, I really, I actually kind of like this story of this this kid from Indiana that gets off a bus with, like, a big, like, piece of hay stuck in his teeth. And he's just like, <laughs> well, was this L.A.? And then, like, a, a, you know, in the video for, uh, in the, in the video for Welcome to the Jungle, a guy like a, a a woman walks by him with like super tight LA eighties jeans and he like stares at her butt and like the little hay falls out of his mouth. He's like, Oh, I'm in the big city now. I guess I better start screaming like a grandma and shooting my veins full of heroin and drinking whiskey all the time. Well, this woman here wasn't raised on buttermilk and good values. <laughs> Hell yeah. A lot of his vibe for his feelings about L.A. actually came out of those first few days after he arrived in L.A. 
which when he uh, kind of stepped off the bus and then he's, you know, walking around LA trying to get his feet, you know, the feel for the city or whatever you want to say. And uh, he's and then he was telling the story about like a, a, a homeless man who he actually does point out the race of the homeless man, of course, which is great. Good job, Axel. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's good. That's great storytelling. And he's just like this black guy, you know, came up to me and he said, welcome to the jungle, baby. And he looked him over and he's like, you're going to die. And Axel <laughs> was like, I'm going to put that in a song. Uh, not one in a million, but. Well, that was their. <laughs> So that was their second, that was their their album kind of, that was an interim album that came after Appetite for Destruction that uh, only sold 5 million, which is still big for them at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, should we get, should should we get into the one in a million song that- No, that, that... not really. I, <laughs> no. I'm sorry for even bringing it up. It's like, <laughs> it's not even worth our fucking time. It's no. just, let's just say that it is a, a song filled with homophobia, racism, sexism. It is not even a good song. It's- You know what? Kurt Cobain, he said it best when quoted about Axl Rose. Axl is a sexist and a racist and a homophobe. And that's really all that needs to be said. Amen. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, getting back to Paradise City, Brian, you say you have all of their albums. So that means mm-hmm. you do have Appetite for Destruction, which this song, I as do. well as uh, Sweet Child of Mine, Welcome to the Jungle, came out on November Rain. No, that's Use Your Illusion. Never yes, mind. that's but, Use uh, Your Illusion uh, 1, I believe. Yeah, I'm not sure. You you may have popped off when I was talking with Andrew about it, but, uh, I, you know, I personally, I like Sweet Child of Mine. I think that's a beautiful ballad and that's Hell why yeah. this band became so popular is because they had this weird ability to make very accessible ballads in the midst of this terrible sludge rock and like shit anthems which i i call paradise city a shit anthem it's like parading as an anthem but it's not really good i think it works really great live like at whiskey a go-go with sure. just this you know you've got this just skinny guy who's just like only about eight hours since his last time he <laughs> shot up heroin and he's just screaming in the microphone and then you got slash and then they're all dressed fucking like crazy people they're wearing like military costumes and tank tops and uh and you know you've got uh you, you and then oh, live he was fantastic he had a couple great dance moves which i have given names to um, <laughs> you know, he's definitely a much better dancer than Maddie from the 1975. Oh, absolutely. Who was like <laughs> yeah. trying to do some like half-assed Axel shit on that SNL performance. That's for sure. It's like, no, bud, you did not pull that off. <laughs> the, a- Axel just vibed. Like when he when he was on, he was on. And that is a, a big reason why, you know, people would go to Whiskey A Go-Go and they had their big album debut party at whiskey a go-go and of course like producers and record people were there and also uh right like music writers were there when those people mattered now they don't Mm -hmm. they ai writes all the articles that you read about musicians now (laughs) maddie healy might have given the c kyle (laughs) um but uh, so I, I called Axel. He's got a, he did a couple moves, and I watched the video uh, of their of their debut concert, which was actually pretty shitty because they they seem to be drunk and probably high. Even though a lot of times the band is kind of known, they they actually kept it clean when they were like doing recording in the first part mm-hmm. of their career, and then they would like when they were on tour, then they would like shoot up. They're a mess. Oh God in heaven! Axel has some dance moves. One of them I called the Snaky Shuffle. And I wish this was a video medium. I know it's an audio medium because, but if you if you watch this guy, you know, yeah. like he would just kind of just like his spine would just turn into an S shape. Yeah. And then uh, he also does uh, a, a great move uh, in in this song uh, called the Seizure Fever, and that is when he's just really just popping and just like moving, just like just all <laughs> over the place, and like it looks like he's gonna just dislodge his shoulders and his bones from his skeleton. But he doesn't because he's a pro. I wonder why he's moving that fast. I wonder what could have done that to his system, you know? What kind of... (laughs) Yeah, uh, how does that... How does he do that? If you hear tell it, the cocaine was not the problematic drug for him. (laughs) 
<laughs> cocaine was probably like the only thing like keeping him able to like work <laughs> and like talk to people. <laughs> one one chick who partied with them a lot, she says that they just kept Tupperwares of cocaine and a bunch of ecstasy on hand at all given times. Tupperwares of cocaine, mind you. Plural. <laughs> well, they, he got that from Indiana because in Indiana they would have, you know, the moms that would go around with the Tupperware parties and be like, oh, this will keep, keep your cocaine super fresh, dear. Oh, and you got to listen for that pop. That means your cocaine's ready to go. You put this back in the freezer, your cocaine's just going to be nice and fresh for tomorrow. And then the, his last dance move that I'll talk about is just the look at my dick slide, which he does every fucking song which he gets gets down on the ground and just fucking just spreads his legs and i think all three of his dance moves are fantastic i think this guy has amazing stage present yeah amazing i i agree he he is one hell of a front man you know i i like him just visually more as a front man than you know say um uh led zeppelin's uh what's his name uh robert plant yeah, more than Robert Plant even, you know, although I kind of put them in the same class of like kind of falsetto singer, mm-hmm. wild boy. <laughs> uh, you know, okay, I would personally rename this band. I think Guns N' Roses is a stupid band name. I am not a fan of it. I would call them Guns <laughs> N' Runners because another move. Oh, hold up. Fucking mosquitoes all in my room, dude. Fuck you, dude. I thought you were just uh, clapping. You're like, I'm, you know, before I even <laughs> say this joke, I'm going to clap for myself. Hooray, Ryan. Every show, live show, you'll see them just like high as tits, sprinting full speed across the stage, either Slash or Axel. It's like kind of ridiculous. There's some really good like uh, mashup videos mm-hmm. of just like all of the running they fucking do on stage. It's like, you know, they put in like a marathon's worth of steps by the end of each show. Um, <laughs> purely fueled by cocaine. Yeah. I can I can only imagine. I mean, even the Tupperwares that I have, like I have some small Tupperwares, and even that is a lot of cocaine. That's some large. <laughs> Truly, you know, and, yeah, it's more of an Amu's bouche. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Amu's nose. <laughs> One of their uh, nicknames, funny enough, is lines and noses. <laughs> which i thought was pretty good yeah you know they also had a couple other band names that they themselves came up with that were rejected ultimately um they were almost called heads of amazon which takes on a completely different uh meaning nowadays oh man if they would have stuck with that they'd been rich by now right their their stock price would be quite up uh and then the other one they almost went with was just aids <laughs> seriously wow I am hiding my head in my wow. hands. That is so cringe. The, the, they're the original edgelords. You know what I mean? Yeah. At that time, to get on MTV, to get on the radio, to get a great record deal, like you you could not be canceled. If you were a white man mm-hmm. like that, that had a great band, I mean, Axel, a lot of people said that he's one of the top front men, one of the best singers of the 80s. I don't know. Like... They were constantly trying to say stuff that was edgy as shit. Their first label that they wanted to create was called Uzi Suicide. Like, wow. Jeez, Louise. That is so far. <laughs> we have come really far in our culture mm-hmm. where, where there's not a band thinking, well, should we name ourselves AIDS? Should we should we name our <laughs> label Uzi Suicide? Yeah, straight up. I mean, I guess like, if Tucker Carlson was going to make a band, he would probably name it something, you know, disgusting. But like, yeah, like mo- most of most people in L.A. now are like, yeah, they're they're, they're like inclusivity and not being a, a hateful bigot is like on brand. Yeah, it's on people's yeah. mind. Axl Rose is the if you want to give him a critique, that critique will end up being an absolute ice cream sandwich of the some of the some really tasty ice cream uh very yummy cookies and then just dog turds like stacked <laughs> on top of each other you'd be like this good that was great oh no not so good in some points of in his life i think when he like was maybe 
halfway sober. He's done some kind of okay things and, and also spread kind of an okay message. And then another time you'll be like, Jesus Christ, you're biting a security guard in the knee because he pulled you off of a, a prostitute in the street of Berlin. Like you seem like an absolute unhinged monster. Mm-hmm. And then he'll go and then he goes on later, you know, to be like, you know, standing up for human rights. And t- t- he was basically like trying to stand up against like some genocide that was happening in the country. Is that how he got inspired <laughs> for Chinese democracy? Was that where... That is an interesting name of an album. I don't uh, get that at all. I do. It's 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 called All Your Wires Are Fucking Frazzled and Fried from a lot of years of doing too many drugs. And too many spaghetti incidents. <laughs> exactly. What do you think was the spaghetti incident? Like the um, innocuous name that actually means something really fucking disgusting and like not cool. I think the spaghetti <laughs> incident is something that's just like best left unsaid. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no. I, I'm going to be sick. It's like Led Zeppelin with the the cold fish and a groupie in a hotel room. You just don't really want to know the details. Yeah. <laughs> or the band name Limp Biscuit. We'll just you know we'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Every frat boy knows what that means. Yeah. You you want your biscuit to be crispy on the outside and moist on the inside. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah I I don't think that the spaghetti incident was a time that Slash was noodling far too much. Like no, it's a it's something a lot more. Fun. <laughs> like, well, Slash nice. Slash he hate. I think part of the reason why why he left the band was because he was so sick. Spaghetti incident is essentially an album that's filled with covers. And uh, and Slash like came out like he he made the album. Then he went on MTV and he was just like, I don't think we need to make any covers. Especially the, if you ever watch the movie um, Interview with a Vampire, it ends with their cover of Sympathy for the Devil. And then Slash like that movie came out and, uh, and Axl Rose is probably like ching. And then Slash gets on MTV <laughs> with uh, Kurt Loder and he's like. Uh, yeah, we shouldn't have covered that song. This uh, Our cover sucked, and this original song was great. It never needed a cover, and it was really stupid. And also, uh, the movie totally sucked, too. And also, Brad Pitt sucks, and Tom Cruise sucks, and I'm the best. Fuck you, everyone. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that's Slash, man. I, I disagree basically with every single take that he has on anything. I think he's just <laughs> kind of a fucking moron. Axel, the shit he says, he has no real taste or like actual good sense. I think it was Izzy was sort of the band guru. Like Izzy was sort of the guy that the rest of the band would look at and be like, yo, is this good? Like, what do we, where do we go from here? You know, he's, he's controversial as well in certain moments. Like he's done some shit that like, I do not think is cool. He dealt with a lot of chemical dependency issues as well during that band, but they, they kind of forced him into it. Anyways, you go on. When you listen to Slash, oh my God, Slash talking about Sweet Child of Mine real quick. I didn't hate it, but I wasn't fond of Sweet Child of Mine. Uh, He later goes on to say, (laughs) uh, this was an up-tempo ballad. It's one of the gayest things you can write. God damn it. It just didn't fit in with our shtick. And of course, it was the biggest hit we ever had. It's like, yeah, dude, because (laughs) it was fucking amazing and you're an idiot. Yeah. God in heaven. So he's just like, I don't know. It was pretty gay. Like, who are these guys? Beavis and Butthead? That's good, dude. (laughs) I was kind of looking through some old forums where people were kind of like, you know, wondering in these were in the days of like 2000 to 2003 when people were like, are they going to get back together or what's going to happen? You know, Duffy had just made this album of mostly it sounded like Donovan and Ronnie Wood from the fucking (laughs) Rolling Stones had like done like a soft acoustic guitar solo on one of their songs. And uh, and so a lot of these metal writers, uh, metal bloggers at the time were kind of like, you know, taking shots. And so these are some of the comments on one of their uh, uh, the articles about like is is Guns N' Roses done forever. And one guy writes, uh, talking about Axl Rose, at least he's still alive. <laughs> that's King of Kings. But I'm just saying, that's a low bar. I think that would be a great one to put under the Ed Sheeran. Hey, at least he's still alive. I think you get a lot of hate for that. And then, I, and then uh, some guy writes, he's arrogant enough to make his name an anagram of oral sex. And I was like, "Did that? Does that check out?" Okay, let me get my Scrabble pieces out. Wow, yeah, hold on. visualizing. Wow, <laughs> awesome, good work. So that might have been on purpose. 
I found I found this one guy who just had a lot to say. He goes, he is mean and ugly and I hate his face. He doesn't like Kurt Cobain like how and again he punched Bowie. Please tell me I'm not the only one that hates this slimy little tight pant wearing ginger bitch. I get edits of him on TikTok and it's a literal jump scare. My GF asks my biggest fear and automatically I said, Axl Rose. Ew. He is also from Indiana and makes shit music. I refuse to accept that we probably share a bloodline. Okay. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) I'll need to see the DNA. (laughs) Everyone from Indiana, I guess, is related, according to this guy. Kind of telling on himself at the end there. I got nothing bad to say about Hoosiers. I like them. Uh, But then he goes on to say, I have torn up a mini GNR poster in my room. Parenthetical. It came with a pack of mini posters. What the fuck is a pack of mini posters? (laughs) And then he goes, I hate Axl Rose so much, and I don't say stuff much, but I hate that man. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That's from (laughs) Beneficial Bad 7691. That guy. Whoa. That guy. That guy was absolutely moved. Uh, I, I got a few quotes too that I pulled off of YouTube off of their um, the official GNR page for the Paradise City song. Um, one of my favorites was "A Thousand Years from Now," and this song will sound the same. <laughs> <laughs> That's true for a lot of music, I think. That is very factual, my friend. Good work. I like it. Yes. Um, and then this uh, blew me away, like, and really spoke to the just the eighties. That time and these people who like worship the 80s. All right. This comes from at Nikki Base 29. Oh man, guys, strap in for this. My sister and my mom went to this tour. My uncle was their bus driver. His name is redacted. But apparently backstage Slash was groping my sister and trying to get my mom to let her stay and quote unquote party. Needless to say, my mom wasn't having it. My sister was so mad, LMAO. She was ready to get a piece of slash, laughing, crying, three-time emoji. Can't blame her. Shrug, shoulder emoji, laughing, crying emoji. Okay, so that's Nikki Bass's uh, comment about that whole era. And now let's look at the replies. Uh, First one, man, that's so cool and crazy at the same time, lol. Next, moms was probably jealous. (laughs) Whoa. Uh, You know, and a lot of this like ties back into the whole like, uh, you know, most dangerous band in the world. Really, uh, I mean, Slash summed it up like we're not dangerous, but we're unpredictable and volatile. And that scares people. I'm I'm looking at a list right now of like the most like the 10 most dangerous bands in history. Because I was like, I wonder I wonder what the consensus is on the most dangerous bands in history. Guns N' Roses is number 10 on this list. So. They they did incite riots at their shows fairly often just by being dickheads, like showing up late or leaving the stage early. Like they they had something like over a million dollars worth of damages to different stadiums and stages. They had um, oh, yeah. a couple instances of like people in the crowd dying, lots of injuries of cops as well as uh, concert goers. So like yeah. they were dangerous by like stupid negligence. Well, yeah, and I'm sure they just like destroyed hotels. Like entire hotels, mm-hmm. and you know, from from time to time, for sure. I'm sure. Wait, but wait. Yeah. So let's see. Would I'm I, I'm gonna guess he's probably not on there, but I would say, what about Manu Chao? I would put him as one of the top oh. ten most dangerous musicians. Interesting. Yeah, not on this list. No, no. I'm pretty sure he was responsible for like a few like uprisings in South America. He should have been on there. Yeah. Oh, dude. Fair I I was at a Manu Chao concert in uh, in Rosario, Argentina, and uh, Fuck yeah. He he was he was just like, you know, this was you know in two thousand three or two thousand four, and he's just like, let's kill the rich, let's take it down, let's burn it all. <laughs> that dude is an absolute revolutionary. And then his songs are like, me gusta marihuana, me gustas tú. <laughs> Which they're great. I I love Manicho. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Same, same. Uh, yeah. Who who else is on this list though? So, so let's see. Ten is Guns and Roses. Nine is Sex Pistols. Uh, eight is Metallica. Which I mean, give I me a no. fucking break. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Seven is Dillinger Escape Plan. I guess I don't really know much about them. They're a hardcore um, band. They're like mad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Core. Yeah. I mean, I know that much about them, but but There's not like nothing... my reputation of them being dangerous. But what is their yeah um, rubric for dangerous here? Because I mean, their music is scary. <laughs> Sounding? I mean, 
dangerous yeah. to download on Napster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go top three. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, Gigi Allen, don't know them. Number five, I oh, will say. Oh, Gigi Allen. Yeah. Gigi. Yeah. He's kind of dangerous. He, okay, he, yeah. He's the guy who would like eat his own poop on stage and like <laughs> shoot heroin needles like on stage. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, I have seen number five live personally, and I will say that it was a terrifying concert, but in a really amazing way. Number five on this list is No Effects. Um, <laughs> and that was like, hell yeah. Ep- I mean, an epic fucking mosh pit like Hell i was yeah. at the i was at the crystal ballroom here in portland and there was like the divider thing for like the 21 and over but i was i think i was like probably 17 at the time so i was like right up against this divider with the stage right in front of me you know by 50 yards and everything between me and that stage was just this giant mosh pit and it was Sick. awesome i mean yeah yeah. It, yeah i mean i fucking love no effects so <laughs> awesome. um number four also no surprise here marilyn manson Definitely remember like all the backlash about Marilyn Manson when that came out. And, you know, not only because I think of his, obviously his image and his persona, but also because he was an incredible and is an incredibly intelligent person. You couldn't really like people would try to argue with him and they would just get put in their place. So, Or he would just imprison you in uh, one of his mansion rooms. But you know what? He's not problematic. He's fine. Very dangerous to women. Yeah. Um, Go Gorgoroth. Don't know. Hell yeah. Gogoroth is fucking fantastic. That's a great band. Iggy Pop coming in at number two. All right. Yeah, apparently. I mean, I don't I don't get this rubric that they're going by for this list. It says Iggy sacrificed body and dignity expressing himself on stage. He is credited with popularizing the stage dive, but remembered more for doing things like rolling in broken glass mid performance. So Mm. there you go. Yawn. Honk shoe. Yep. Number one, I'd never even heard of this band, uh, but I have a feeling that you guys likely have uh, some Norwegian metal group named Mayhem. Oh, Mayhem. No, I thought they were going to go with uh, uh, Burzum. Fuck them. Fuck Burzum. Yeah, they're fucked up. This podcast stands against everything that Burzum stands for. Do not like, hate Burzum. Here's the last sentence of this uh, this little thing about mayhem. It says, in 1994, bass guitarist Varg Vikernes was sentenced to 21 years in prison for setting fire to multiple churches and stabbing the lead guitarist to death. He was released in 2009 and records music under the name Burzum. <laughs> oh, shit, that's why. No, so it is the same band. It's the yeah. same, same group, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, they're the worst. Let's uh, talk about the music video a little bit. Um, this is that classic tour diary type of music video, which, you know, it's real hit or miss. I think it really depends on how much you enjoy the band by how stoked you'll be on the video. Like there are, there are plenty of music videos that are this type of showing the band in like a studio on the road or like on a stage in front of thousands of people that like really gave me the tingles back in the day. You know, I love it. I was living vicariously through their experience. This does none of that for me. It's just, I don't know, maybe partially because it's like a six and a half minute or almost seven minute song, but like, I'm, I'm just fucking bored. It was a boring music video. And, and this, the whole time that these guys were begging like MTV to put the, the music from Appetite to, uh, for Destruction onto MTV because they knew like that's how you got famous. And mm-hmm. as soon as, as soon as th- their their top three from the album got onto uh, MTV, the band absolutely blew up, and they went from being like a cool LA band that that were playing at, at you know LA clubs to like nationwide famous, and then doing arena tours like within yeah. a year. They talked about how seeing like seventy people in these huge shows playing opening for like Aerosmith or whatever it would be like their diehard fans, and then the next week, thanks to MTV, it would be like seven hundred. Then the next week after that, literally like in the matter of weeks, they would see it go to like a whole stadium of people holding up their fucking banners. All of a sudden, everybody knows about them and loves them. And they had such disdain for their fans. They had yeah, such dude. disdain for the industry itself, and they just absolutely wrecked shop with that first album. It was, it, it went to number one so friggin' fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, according to Billboard, like there's never been like a rocket jump of like a, a debut album that like got that famous, that hot, that fast. Yeah, thanks to their fucking awesome ballad. 
And I mean, like, this is also just like peak record, you know, like there, there, there were not many other better times except for maybe like the boy band era to really be like a band that was just going to like milk the record industry, like the way that it was all put together more. Like this was, you know, it was kind of one of those like perfect time, perfect place. It feels like kind of thing hmm. to just it absolutely explode, you know, MTV itself was exploding. So they wanted a band like this to just come out that, you know, it was mutually beneficial for MTV to have a band like Guns N' Roses because they were just going to feed each other. Just yeah. like 69 all the way up the ratings charts. Yeah. <laughs> slurp, yeah. slurp to the top. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> I don't see many of the, uh, I don't see Axel or Slash as being very giving lovers, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. The uh, mm -hmm. MTV at the time was kind of worried about them dropping the F-bomb too much, that it was going to keep the the cable providers from, if they played the, the, the Guns N' Roses song that had the F words in it, which, I mean, does this song have any swears in it? So no. fucking far so. away, shit. It's got a, <laughs> it, it has a bunch of really just horrible lyrics. Yeah, you know, it's, which we can get into pretty quick here. There's really not a lot to talk about the video. No. The only thing I did want to bring up was, you know, if you uh, kind of zoom in and pause around four minute 14, you'll notice uh, on the backstage pass of Axel, he has... The Imperial Eagle sitting on that little circle that's blurred out either by the video or, you know, on the stage that you know should have the swastika in it because it's very much a Nazi symbol. And then it yeah. pans up to his, you know, wryly smiling face. And he's wearing what, you know, I was about to like let him just have his like a motorcycle helmet kind of hat. <laughs> no, it's like an SS officer's hat. Yeah, he's yeah. he's so he flashes this Nazi regalia. And then he kind of smirks and like tips his little like village people hat. <laughs> like, <laughs> what the fucking fuck, dude? It, it's so strange. Mm -hmm. So these guys, so so you're like you're like okay, so these guys are Nazis now too. And then you're listening, to, and then you're a Guns N' Roses fan, and you may be like, nah, man, they're they're just playing around. And then their next album comes out, and it's just like. Our most famous song on this album is a diatribe against black people, homosexuals, and uh, foreigners. Right, foreigners. I've, I've erased it from my mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, not the band Foreigner, but, like, actually people that, like, came from other countries. <laughs> yeah, just to be clear. I Yeah, a diatribe against Foreigner. I mean, I, I wouldn't stand for that. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely remember having friends that like had that second album that were like, nah, it's just a bunch of fun. Like, don't be so uptight. It's great to like say the N word. No, it totally sucks. It, it, this band absolutely as people, I, I am just completely against if yeah, you play up. some of their, their songs that I like, I'm like, I can get down, but, uh, anymore. I just can't divorce myself, you know? I have to just stand with the people that like I respect and love and just say like, you know, I, I absolutely cannot put up with this shit. I can't tolerate it. I am officially guys, dun, 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 canceling guns and roses. <laughs> and I, and I know that Axl Rose is at his peak physically, mentally, yeah. musically, but I'm just going to say, guys, let's <laughs> stop the guns and roses fame right now. Am, am I too late? No, I think we're, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, you know, like better late than never. Yeah, there you go. Speaking of uh, Axel uh, and how he's doing today, I think Scott Whalen from Stone Temple Pilots has the best quote about him, calling him a fat Botox face wig wearing fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's some of the best lyrics he ever came up with. Yeah, straight uh, up. Yeah, he's not the best guy either, but you know what? That's That's a very decent quote. I've seen Scott Whalen naked before. Whoa. That, that Let's sucks. hear more about this. <laughs> uh, just like, what was that? Probably 2002, probably. Uh, 2003. Oh, yeah. You were working as a coroner, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, that was no, uh, Sorry, Scott Whalen. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> it was, I saw Red Hot Chili Peppers live, probably on like Californication tour, and Stone Temple Pilots opened up. 
and it was at the the Rose Garden here in yeah in Portland. And at like one point during the show, he like came out wrapped in an American flag, and he like flashed the whole audience. And I mean, I'm I am ninety. I should say I'm ninety five percent sure that he was naked. I'm I was a little too far back to like full on guarantee, but I'm pretty sure that he was naked. So hell yeah, what was that hog like? I mean, we'll just say it was it was a little more than a tiny than a tiny present from the Vatican gift shop. It was, you know. <laughs> it, was a, it was a sex type thing. Yeah, it was a sex type thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was a little more than fly, and uh, could probably use some Vaseline. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I thought it was rather uh, dead and bloated, but you know, <laughs> to each their own. Wait in on a Sunday afternoon to show Andrew my penis. <laughs> my eyes. <laughs> yeah, you know what's fun, kind of funny? That like when Axel, there's a couple songs on some of the later albums, I think in Use Your Illusion 1 and Use Your Illusion 2, where he really sounds like he's biting Scott Wayland. And I was too lazy to do the math. But both bands were performing in L.A. like yeah. at, the, at the time, you know, mm-hmm. the Stone Temple Pilots were started performing in like the late 80s. And mm-hmm. Scott Weiland would be wearing like a dumb little like newsboy cap and doing his thing. But like, I think Axel was like, I don't need to scream like this. I could kind of do something like this. <laughs> Scott Weiland poached his entire band. It was a weird time around like the early 2000s. You see that like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame show, there's no Axel, but there's the rest of the band, I think minus Izzy, playing uh, on stage for that. And then at the MTV Music Awards that same year, there's Axel playing with fucking Buckethead and like a whole different lineup playing a bunch of GNR stuff. So like... You know, already the there's a split between Guns N' Roses, like, you know, uh, where Axel yeah. is just like a persona non grata. But um <laughs> I love just I love just imagining Buckethead just like putting his little like finger to his lips, be like, Oh, did I break up Guns N' Roses? I don't know. I've got a chicken bucket on my head. I'm gonna go record the Power Rangers theme song. Exactly. <laughs> it, it was just a weird time. So like I could very much see that he was just like jealous of Scott Weiland, like, taking his band. He's like, well, like, maybe that, like, somehow subconsciously dribbled into his lyricism and how he sang. Like, I wouldn't put it past him, man. Like, you know, Velvet Revolver was one of a whole host of bands who had beef with Axel. Mm-hmm. There's Metallica. There's Vince Neil of Motley Crue. There's Eagles of Death Metal, which uh, Axel called Pigeons of Shit Metal and kicked off of the tour after one show. Uh, wow. <laughs> Let's see, there's GNR themselves, you know. Uh, famously, Axel refused to go on stage unless the band signed away the rights to the name Guns N' Roses to him right on the spot. And I think that really, yeah. like, began the schism. Uh, John Bon Jovi, he was just fucking jealous of Axel getting all this attention. But, yeah. like, also, fuck John Bon Jovi. Definitely. Uh, uh, David Bowie. Now, I, I think one of us talked about, like... He punched oh, no, we were- David Bowie. There, that never happened. I, I don't think there was any physical violence against Bowie, but okay. Bowie was hitting on Axel's girl at the time, and like he like ran after him, threatening like "I'll kill you." Uh, and then like later, <laughs> Bowie went to a show, and Axel saw him at the show, and like was just like being so threatening on stage that uh, that Bowie literally left the crowd. He's like, "This is not safe anymore." Like he's gonna basically incite a lynching here. God in heaven. Axel, why are you so mad at me? I got this glass orb. I could entertain your girl. You're putting out fire with grass rolling. I love David Bowie. I, anyone who's mean yeah. to David Bowie is an automatic enemy in my book. Right. And you know what? David Bowie actually went and apologized for his actions later on, being like, maybe I was a little inappropriate with your girlfriend. And I apologize. He was always the better man. Class yeah. act. And then, yeah. and Kurt Cobain also talked about their beef and was just like, it was the dumbest thing I've ever been involved yeah. in. I regret yeah. ever like trying to start shit with that stupid fucking band. So the so the lyrics of the song. Yeah, the, let's talk about these amazing lyrics, which is, this is uh, the first song that the band uh, co-wrote, all of them together, which you can really see uh, is a mishmash of 
fucking spaghetti incident against the wall lyrically <laughs> it's it seems like every verse like it begins with a certain like idea or theme and by the end of it they've just run so far afield of the the narrative thread or like the idea was but they're like still trying to make it rhyme it's so disjointed it never makes any fucking sense Maybe they didn't use drugs during like the recording process, but like during the lyric writing process, that might, <laughs> and I'm not, not quite sure about this. Like when you actually get down to these lyrics, like there's just some weird, weird shit in here. Yeah, dude. The Surgeon yeah. General says it's hazardous to breathe. I'd have another cigarette, but I can't see. Tell me who you're going to believe. Captain America has been torn apart. Now he's a court jester with a broken heart. He said, turn me around, take me back to the start. I must be losing my mind. Are you blind? I've seen it a million times. Maybe if you're super fucking high, like you're like, oh, dude, this clicks, man. This makes so much sense. It's cosmic in its scope. <laughs> it's cosmic, right? Like, it's a bit, we, we used to like to call it a cosmic gumbo. The, uh, the, 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 the thing about a lot of their songs is they sound a lot different. The the lyrics actually don't really even sound like the lyrics. You could talk to like a total super fan of this band and they'd be like, yeah, sure, I know the lyrics to Paradise City. They go, you don't even know what he's saying. Like it just, and, and that was the thing in, in LA, like he'd just be screaming in the microphone. The band was super loud. He's up there doing his snake dance and People are like, yeah, this is fucking, this is fucking amazing. You're not mm-hmm. thinking of like rags to riches or so they say. You got to keep pushing for the fortune and fame. You know, it's all a gamble when it's just a game. You treat it like a capital of crime. Everybody's doing the time. Whoa. This is really talking about like the how fame is like a prison and like you get caught up in it and then you have to like be this person that everyone thinks that you are so how do you fuel that how do you keep it going you fucking shoot up you smoke cigs, you drink whiskey you bang girls you get in trouble with the law and and you just keep it going because like that's who you are and Mm -hmm. then you think back to this great place in indiana where the grass was green and there was nobody that was not white (laughs) Uh, and you picked one of like the two verses that actually kind of have some coherency to it that one in the first one like you know they they sort of track you can kind of figure figure that out i think you took it well beyond where their philosophical prosody ever goes but they get more and more fucked up by the end of writing this song that just becomes gobbledygook Uh, but they always bring it back to a hook that is simple and everybody can go yeah. to Paradise City where the grass is green. <laughs> like, I think there was a good uh, Instagram quote on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, this dude, Nate of the Living Dead, says, Guns N' Roses only criteria for calling a place, quote, paradise. One, women are attractive. Two, grass normal color. Unlike <laughs> <laughs> well, LA, I got here, the grass was all neon pink. <laughs> it's green. It's always been green. We took him to task for his <laughs> for his colorblindness. So I've got the lyrics pulled up here on Google, and uh, I feel like this is a pretty good pretty good illustration of how repetitive these lyrics are. So I just you know kind of look looked through, maybe picked out a few words that seemed like they were in it a lot. So here's some good stats for you in the in all the lyrics to this song, according to Google, the word "pretty" fifteen times, the word "home." 23 times and the word take 43 times Hmm. you see the word take 43 times take me to the grass take me to the city take me to (laughs) the home take me to the pretty take home pretty take home maybe he's a focus group genius he he knew like what the key words were that will just like (laughs) (laughs) make everyone Mm -hmm. most moist yeah there you go (laughs) is this the best song ever wait a minute yeah. Machiavellian God. genius. <laughs> the, 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 the song by committee of this, it, it, which it certainly was not because he would never let anyone else like tell him anything. But like, it, it is kind of fun to imagine. What do you guys think of the word take? Yay, take, we love. All right, what about, <laughs> what about green? Woohoo, green. <laughs> then he says, what do you think about pretty? Then their heads just explode. <laughs> <laughs> I actually always thought for some reason, I mean, 
I've heard this song only a handful of times in my life, but I thought that this song was Take Me Down to the Very Last City because I didn't know what the name of it was. Hmm. So I had just always heard Take Me Down to the Very Last City. (laughs) And like, I like that more, so. To the Very Last City. Dude, at the end though, it's so, like, it's so busy at the end. Like, it's. Oh, yeah, yeah. At the end, they just run out of ideas. So like. They just double time two minutes where they should have just faded out or done something with it. But um, (laughs) it's like it's like Sonic the Hedgehog when he starts drowning. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That sense of urgency is just building up and you don't know why like you want to flee fight or flight. Um, (laughs) You just want to turn off your Sega Genesis. It's a, it's just like what I like to call like the happy blues scale that he plays, like that. It's it's the mixolydian mode, or uh, also known as like the the jam band mode. If you listen to any string cheese or you know whoever, like they're playing in this mixolydian, where it's just like it's happy, but like it's bluesy. We just lost all the string cheese incident fans. That's cool. I'm sorry, Andrew, <laughs> but <laughs> I like string cheese, but that's okay. At least like their dynamic in their Mixolydian scale, they they play some interesting lines, whereas this is like yeah. baby's first blues riff kind of shit, you know? He doesn't yeah. really take it anywhere. And they also don't sexually assault their fans, so automatically better band. I would rather have a string cheese incident than a spaghetti incident any day of the week. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> but have you ever been like Agreed. high really late at night and like you got some string cheese and you got some spaghetti and you're like, let's put these incidents together? Yes, absolutely, <laughs> yes. So the music, we talked about the guitar. Ryan thinks it's uh, busy and annoying and middling. Okay, that that's fair. Uh, drums, I really enjoyed the drums on this track. Andrew, what do you think? I thought for a band with this kind of stadium rock everything, I mean, I don't know. I personally think that they're a little sloppy. The kind of breakdown part where it's just the, you know, the kick and the snare, and then he tries to do that more complicated. It's just like, doom, 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 doom. He does not do that consistently through the whole song. I feel like the tempo fluctuates a lot in the song, which like, I mean, I'm all about a song with a little bit of tempo fluctuation that can be natural, but it feels too loosey goosey to me. Like, I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I was not that impressed. Mm-hmm. Like there are so many other metal drummers and like hair band drummers that I would rather listen to than this. I was really unimpressed personally with these. Drums. Yeah, that's, so, that's true. I think I'll talk about yeah. one a little bit later that I yeah. enjoy a lot more. Uh, Adler is a notoriously bad drummer. He was, yeah. I mean, yeah. he was kicked out of the band for his his horrible heroin addiction, but also because he couldn't play the drums. <laughs> no, I think we've roundly shit upon like them as human beings, their music, their music videos, their fashion choices, their fascist choices. I think we're we're about ready to lay down the final judgment, and I, I think for this one. Um, let's just keep it really simple. Does does this song deserve the gun or does it deserve a rose? Oh, Brian? I am going to uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't want to be I don't want to do what I've done to a couple songs on this podcast so far and be like, oh, it was okay. Like before I knew that Maddie Healy was Sieg Heiling, <laughs> I was just like, oh well, you know, they're kind of like a band, you know, they're a real band with a real songwriter who's writing his own songs. And I think this band is also they were kind of like doing that too. And they impressed the hell out of everybody at the time. I think this song definitely deserves a critical evaluation. If you think that you are a big GNR fan, you might just want to like give it another listen. You know what I would say? If you think you like the song, put it on karaoke. Try to fucking sing this crap for seven and a half minutes. I think you're going to just absolutely hate it. And after we've talked about it a lot and after I've learned so much about uh, about Guns N' Roses and about Axel and Slash... I don't want to listen to this fucking song. I don't like it. I actually, there's other GNR songs that I like way fucking more than Amen. this. And then there's also just other bands that I would rather listen to than this. So I'm giving it the gun, but I'm not going to fire that gun. I'm going to sell that gun and I'm going to buy a steamroller and steamroll <laughs> the band and turn them into pancakes. <laughs> okay, nice. The uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit route. I, I can dig that. <laughs> nice. And when yeah. I sang this song, I looked just like this. 
Uh, Andrew, what do you uh, think? I mean, oh yeah, I'll I'll keep it super simple. I hope I never have to hear this song again in my entire life. Fucking yeah. hey, brother man. <laughs> that's, that's very much how I feel about it too. It's a bad song done poorly by bad people on a bunch of drugs who didn't really give the care to the songwriting to their audience. I won't fire the gun either, but like I will pistol whip the shit out of each and every one of them. <laughs> yeah, that's yep. that's my final judgment. Yep. Boom. We did it, guys. <laughs> We're gonna and now let's all jump into a big cake. Because that happened in the November rain song. So the next step of this podcast is the part where we talk about songs that we actually like, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, the good parts. So um what are you gonna recommend to replace this in their playlist the like going double time at the end and everything like i'm not necessarily a big fan of that but i do have two songs that i do love that do that and i think that there's songs that just like they're way more fun than this song they hit harder uh they're they're great rocking tunes and they don't drag on and on and on so first off first off we got black betty by ram jam classic um also similar in in a certain respect because there's there there are some problematic moments in the lyrics of that song oh you don't um, say yeah you yeah so don't yeah, see. Yeah. so mm-hmm. um so in the light in the slightly less problematic vein but with still a good rock and double time and then comes back into one of my personal favorite beats of just like classic rock i'm gonna go magic carpet ride by steppenwolf um Ooh. because i just fucking love that song um i think it's a really great track but i think more like more appropriately, you know, as as kind of the reaction to this song, to Guns N' Roses, to the hair metal, all of that, like everything that I don't like about Guns N' Roses and this really this era in music, because I'm, you know, beyond this song, I don't really like Guns N' Roses, never had. And even beyond that, I don't really like hair metal, never have. So I'm going to go ahead and say... Rock and Roll Lifestyle by Cake is like my perfect response to this song because it's just like, it's just ripping on everything about this point in time in rock and roll music. And I love Cake. I completely agree. I love Cake. Um, Mine is going to be, if you are looking for a band that was making music at the same time as Guns N' Roses, a band that actually is way more interesting and way more fun and also didn't make a song where they said a slur against gay people and against black people and complained about how many immigrants there are in LA, which is just unforgivable in my in my estimations. If you want to hear a better band with better people, Judas Priest. Judas Priest's song, You Got Another Thing Coming, I think is a friggin' awesome 80s I don't know. I, I don't know if you want to call them hair metal. Or, I mean, I, I just think of Judas Priest as just metal. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Rob Rob Halford, the lead singer, you know, first one of the first openly gay heavy metal singers, like dude still doing it today. Like he's 71 years old. I absolutely love Judas Priest. <laughs> so if you want to hear some great 80s rock you should listen to uh, Judas Priest's album that that song came out of. It is not the one of like Best in the West. It is, well, you can look it up yourself. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Do a little homework. Uh, get into Judas Priest. Great rap. Yeah, play the home game. Or you can maybe find it on our uh, You Hate to Hear It Spotify playlist that might be coming out before too long here. Oh, hell yes. So. It's going to be an eclectic blend and yes, you're all going to love it. <laughs> Yeah. Our little gift to you. So if you still need a somewhat scummy band that partied just as hard, but were a bit cooler of people, um, my recommendation is you listen to In My Life by the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Oh, hell yeah. Their lead singer, nice. uh, Anton, is a certifiable genius, but he's also certifiable. <laughs> like, <laughs> What's fun about them is you can actually see footage of them partying and like how they actually lived. Whereas with GNR, it's all just stories. You never really mm-hmm. actually see footage of like how gross they got. You know exactly how gross this band was. And like they still put out some really good music <laughs> in the psych rock kind of genre. Just a little side recommendation there is the movie Dig, which is the it's like the documentary about the rivalry between Brian Jonestown Massacre and the Dandy Warhols. 
Really mm-hmm. great movie. America's most well-adjusted band. Yeah, exactly. For yeah. my number one pick for a winner to replace Paradise City for the rest of days, I suggest you dig back into the crate and you pull out Fat Bottom Girls by Queen. It is nice. an awesome anthem. It's uh, just a classic hit. It's just as memorable. The singer is better. Oh, the yeah. guitarist is better. Just everything is better about that song. Everything is better about that fucking song. Absolutely great recommendation. I love yeah. it. I love it. It will definitely that song will it's like the 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 song vibe is definitely like the the similar vibe but it it has everything that that GNR doesn't. Mhm. And you know, Axel even said like his favorite singer of all time was Freddie Mercury. Yeah, funny enough. In a thousand years, this song will be the same. <laughs> that's true. so true go to bed thinking of that fact everyone. <laughs> so uh is there anything uh you know just in general pop culture like movies tv music that you've been excited about recently like andrew anything you've been digging on i mean i'm thoroughly enjoying the most recent seasons of Ted Lasso. Uh, I think that's just a great mm-hmm. television show. I think it's it's a great explanation of the good side of the human experience. And I enjoy that show quite a bit. And then I also, I mean, I'm a big Top Chef fan, Top Chef nerd. I don't watch Hell a yeah. lot of reality TV, but I love Top Chef. Also, Next in Fashion, which was on uh, Netflix and stars Tan, like the fashion person from Queer Eye. Yeah. Uh, now he's got like a fashion competition show and super supportive of each other. I've never been a big fashion person, but I thoroughly enjoyed watching the show because watching these people create these incredible pieces of art and fashion and just clothing. It's an amazing display of human creativity shrouded in optimism and support and love. Hell yeah. Great answer. Hell yeah. Well, on that tip, I completely I'm I'm with you. I think for my for my plug, like lately I've been I've been watching uh RuPaul's drag race. I uh you know, my my uh my brother and my brother in law who are gay gay men and they're married and they will kind of turn me on to like things that are happening, you know, in pop culture that are kind of just you know, gay specific and gay adjacent, uh, but they both kind of like hate RuPaul's Drag Race because RuPaul <laughs> has been kind of he, RuPaul has uh, been kind of a problematic figure a little bit. But um, I actually like RuPaul's Drag Race for the contestants because the contestants are often just amazing people, kind of doing their own thing. And uh, on one of the recent episodes that's on Hulu, they did this thing where the Drag Race contestants had to do a rap challenge. And it was so fucking awesome. It was great. <laughs> and uh, one one of the one of the contestants, this person actually came out later on the episode as trans. So her rap challenge was a super fast rap. It was just like and some and, like twisty uh, shit. No, because it was so great. Because that's exactly what she said. She's just like, what I really wanted to do was like something more like Twista. <laughs> and I was like, hell yes, nice. And it was, and it was totally Twista style. So I was just absolutely loving it. And then at the end, they all dance together and they vibe and they and they and like they they sing a little song about just like, don't let anyone tell you that you're not beautiful. I was just like. Oh God! It almost just brought me to tears. Absolutely loved it. And I and I, you know what I did? Uh, I got on their website and I did a little something for all three of us. I uh, put our names into the "What's Your Drag Name?" according to RuPaul's Drag Race. And <laughs> Sweet. If, if this is not cool, please someone just get at us on our on our socials and be like, "Don't ever do shit like this." But they have a little like little map of like how to make your drag name. So Andrew, are you interested in what your drag name would be according to RuPaul's Drag Race? Absolutely. Okay. Andrew, you would be Madam Peaches Balls. <laughs> I'll take it. Huh. Love it. <laughs> that's the best. I, I shouldn't have started with the best one because that's the best one. Ryan, you would be Lady Alada O'Plenty. <laughs> Lady? I think that's pretty good. Lady Alada O'Plenty. O'Plenty like, like an Irish name. So, like, yes. Like, Alada O'Plenty. You've got a lot of O'Plenty. And then mine is uh, Dame Backroll. Good night. <laughs> so we are going to uh, do a thing. 
okay? It is a our first official You Hate to Hear It contest, all right, guys? So what we are asking listeners to do, some intrepid fan, hopefully someone with, uh, I, I was gonna say someone with a blue check mark, but now that you can just buy that for $10, it kind of means yeah. a lot less. Um, so, someone that can maybe prove to us with a screenshot or somehow that they have pushed our brand, made us more popular, got us more <laughs> listeners. Um, if you can somehow motivate the general populace to, to love us and to uh, get us out there and prove it to us in a different way, you will win a one-of-a-kind, absolutely unique, you hate to hear it t-shirt that it will be professionally designed by me. Also, Ryan and Andrew will probably veto some of my designs. A lot of them had <laughs> skulls on them that I can. So we'll, 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 do a, we'll do a good one though, don't worry. And um, you also will be able to pick my next pick. I will give it up to you. You can take, mm. you, you will give me Whoa. a song and we will do it on the podcast. It's like godlike so, control. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So if you get out there, you can prove to us that you've made us more famous. Um, the winner will get a t-shirt and they will get to pick a song. That, that's a pretty good giveaway. I got to say, I like that. I like that. Like, And yeah, I mean, I, th I think that if the three of us put our heads together, I think we can come up with a pretty good t-shirt. You know, I don't, I would like to say that I don't think this person will hate to wear it. I'll just say that much. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. So, yeah. And don't forget, uh, aside from this amazing contest, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter anytime at YHTHI podcast or easily send us a question, suggestion, feedback, whatever. Uh, just please not hate mail uh, to yhthi.podcast at gmail.com. And if it's a story about like a time that you were listening to a song and like something really gross happened, that that I want to hear. Yeah, always. Absolutely. So, well, all right. Thank you all for listening. Absolutely. Yeah. I am Madam Peach's Balls. And I'm a lot of plenty. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> and for all of us, we may hate on the songs, but we absolutely love you, the listeners, unless you are some kind of uh, Nazi regalian wearing uh, total weirdo, then then you can kindly fuck off. But uh, <laughs> we do love you. Thanks to all the fans. Thanks for listening. And I am Dame Backroll. Good night. Good night. See you next time. <laughs>